0: That bass comes in and rocks your socks. It's time for the greatest of talks. It's DLC, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, oh, we're so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC. Hey, are you one of our geeks and sneaks? Are you out there on a run right now listening to us, helping you power through your workout? We're going to be with you for 90-plus minutes in your ear holes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor, Linda. Oh, Linda! Linda made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Canada, That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis the guy who will be playing the new Star Wars trailer on a loop for two full months Mr. Christian Spicer hello Christian
1: hello I did uh, dress my daughter Claire in a Princess Leia onesie today she was born on May the 4th so you know shes mm. she has to live with it forever so <laughs> she has
0: a lot of midichlorians, evidently that's so
1: that many she changes her own diaper just like mentally it's pretty dope
0: I, I wish I could see that today's the day man are you excited are you uh, this tickets go on sale today too
1: yeah, I, I might look at tickets. I'm not gonna. I haven't watched any of the trailers. I'm not as unsullied, uh, hashtag unsullied as you are with things. But this, I I kind of want to just go in and see. So um, I will probably look to buy tickets. But
0: uh... I have a team. Uh, we ha- we have a team set up. We're buying 11 tickets. Uh, it's it, we have we have division of labor. There's multiple people logging on at multiple times. Uh, we're attempting to see it at the historic Man's Chinese Theater. Uh, it's going to be, it's a whole thing today. It's a whole, there's like a massive email chain. It's
1: a whole thing. Well, I'm glad to know that I wasn't a part of that. It's a whole,
0: it's like a slash film thing. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are not talking about Star Wars, uh, this episode, uh, although we could cause there's video games <laughs> that are coming out with it, but, uh, because we're talking video games, we got a great guest. DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week we're excited because DLC once again stands for director who loves cats because returning to DLC, to secure his friend-of-the-show status, we have art director and video games writer at Entertainment Weekly and self-professed feline aficionado, Mr. Aaron Morales. Hello, Aaron. Hi,
2: guys. Thanks so much. Welcome I'm very back.
0: excited to be here. Yeah, uh, I have to tell you a quick story, Aaron. Um, I was uh, ch- uh, asked by the, the Marvel... Uh, the Marvel, what's the name of that game? The uh, top-down uh, Diablo-esque Marvel, Marvel Heroes? Marvel Heroes, yeah. Marvel Heroes 2015, which is now 2016. Uh, I was asked by them to um, host their their Comic-Con panel, which I did. And we, uh, on that panel, announced some of the new characters that were coming out. And one of them was uh, the new uh, Miles Morales right, right. Uh, Spider-Man model. And as I announced it, I said... Aaron Morales, and <laughs> <So> everyone you... <laughs> at Comic Con, and everyone booed me, and I was like, "Oh no, no! I know his name! I, I promise, I know his name."
2: Uh,
1: yeah. Well, I'm so. glad
2: that you've been reading my fanfic because I've been working really hard on it, and uh, <laughs> very excited to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
0: Yeah, no, it's cool. i It sucks that you got bit by that radioactive spider, but like, you know, total upside on it.
1: But your costume between uh, you know, Miles's and then the hood from Spider-Gwen, plus the <laughs> underarm webbing from Old School Spectacular, you've really put together a good outfit.
2: Well, and if you, if you could see, I'm sitting in my office right now, and I have a huge Spider-Man decal on my door that uh, my coworkers put up for my birthday.
1: So it's so. kind of obvious your secret identity isn't that secret anymore? No, yeah, it's not so secret. <laughs> you
0: have the coolest name because also the newest Heroes of the Storm character is Lieutenant Morales. So uh, we'll take it over. You're just basically everything I like. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Enough uh, enough name talk. We can uh, get to the, the, the beginning of the show, which is, of course, Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. As a listener, you can always submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag on Twitter. That's DLC-S-O-T-W, or by visiting our subreddit at five by five dot uh, excuse me, five by five com. Uh, we also have been getting a lot of great stuff to our Gmail, which is dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Lots of cool feedback there. Um Let's uh, let's jump right in, Aaron. You have first pick of stories. So, what would you consider to be your story of the week? Uh, yeah. There's some there's some good stuff to to choose from. Uh, I'm going to go
2: for the most immediate one, which is the uh, PS4 price cut that yeah. uh, just happened. I guess it was last week. And so, you know, Sony finally announced that they're officially dropping the price to 349, which puts it in uh, direct price parity with the Xbox One and, you know, just a little bit more than the Wii U bundles. And it's very interesting because, you know, we've been going into this holiday season and Sony doesn't have a ton of exclusives for PS4 this uh, holiday. Um, but this is, I think, a really good way to compete with that, uh, with the Halos and the Tomb Raiders. So what do you guys think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It It's absolutely timed with, like, the big Halo drop and, um, I do think it's an aggressive move. Not only is the base price of the system 349, but it affects every bundle. So every bundle that the PS4 is offering or that Sony is offering on the PS4 is also similarly reduced $50, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is, uh, this was due. I think it needed to be, uh, this needed to happen. As you said, they don't have the big game this, this year. They have a lot of great big third party games for sure. And it's, uh, certainly winning the the console war, if you want to talk in those terms. They are certainly well ahead in sales. Um, and it's an aggressive move to make sure they, they maintain that lead. I think that, um, I honestly think that we're going to see a lot of Xbox Ones sold this year. I think this is going to be the Christmas of Xbox One just because of those cool two exclusive games that I think a lot of people are going to have been waiting to buy that system for. And I think you're going to find a lot of people that already own PS4s are probably going to add Xbox One to their to their shelf. Uh that's just my my guess. But uh, what do you think Christian?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great time to dive into this generation regardless of the console if you haven't already. Both have uh appealing bundles. I think Microsoft has I'm trying not to exaggerate. I think 17, 13, <laughs> uh, uh, 10 plus bundles this year going into the holiday, I believe. And, you know, they're competitively priced with different games and mix and match and whatever. I think if you haven't dove in yet, I'd probably do the Ori bundle. So I think it's like Ori, Gears, and uh, uh, Rare Replay, I think, is that bundle. Um, But PlayStation dropping its price, that's great. I mean, why wouldn't you be excited about that unless you bought it, your PlayStation, whatever, just before the price adjustment period works, so like, you know, two weeks in a day or something like that, so you can't get the cheaper price. Um, I'm not sure if... You know speculating in p d s if Microsoft will dominate this holiday or not, just because while they do have those two big exclusives, you know Sony has the call of duty exclusive quote unquote this year for people that are looking to do that the such the marketing push for Star Wars is so heavy this year, and that game is gonna be huge, and it's you know play it best on PlayStation or whatever that tag is yeah. and um it's going to be a competitive holiday season, but I think either way you look at it, a price cut by Sony is is a good thing for consumers and hopefully just continues this uh it's been pretty cutthroat. Hopefully it continues and when, you know, every time Sony did a bundle Destiny, Microsoft is like, "Hey, buy our console and I don't know, get a free game <coughs> Destiny, <coughs> whatever." And um I, I like seeing stuff like this. So hopefully hopefully it continues.
0: Yeah, I think you make a good point about Star Wars Battlefront because uh all the commercials that I've seen for it they're uh, PlayStation commercials, but they look like Star Wars Battlefront commercials, um, and they really are tying that game to that system. So I wonder how much effect that's going to have. It's going to be an interesting season, and I think as you, as we've all said, it's a it's a win win for consumers. If if the price is going down and the and the competition is heating up, I think that's a good thing for everybody. Yeah. Um, I want to tie since you talked about we were talking about Microsoft bundles, and I don't think. Either of us are going to use this as our uh, story of the week. I want to tie in another story that was, I thought was interesting this week. There was a, an interview posted on polygon.com um, with uh, Mike Nichols um, from the marketing officer for Xbox, talking about attach rate with Connect and the use of Kinect. Uh, you know, talking about Xbox bundles. Very few of the bundles at this point uh, actually include a Kinect. And they're about to roll out this big new um, i uh, this OS I almost said iOS because I'm used to saying (laughs) uh, this big new OS uh, update for for the front end of the Xbox, which is going to very much de-emphasize the Connect. No longer will there be gesture controls. Which side note, thank God, because I'm sick of just moving my hand and then having a little hand appear on my screen. Um, But uh, it's interesting what they're saying that that most of the people that bought the Xbox One with a Kinect, still use it. That the vast majority of the people, they say their data shows, that the vast majority of the people that bought with Kinect still use it for all the things that don't involve gaming. Probably because there's no games that really use it. But uh, I'm certainly an example of that. I use my my Xbox One uh, as a <clears throat> pass-through for my television. And I use my Kinect every day. I turn my Xbox on, on with it. I adjust things with it. I tell my thing to pause sometimes with using my voice. Um, Aaron, do you have an opinion on, on what Kinect has become and this in- data that a lot of people are still using it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's
2: become exactly what you just said. It's it's just a nice little interface thing. And uh, I use mine every single day, whenever I turn my Xbox on, whenever I tell uh, Netflix or Hulu to pause. Um, Uh, My favorite thing is Xbox record that. Sorry if someone's playing and that just recorded it for them. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, I love that thing. Like, uh, anything you're playing, you know, you do something awesome and you just say Xbox record that and then you've got your clip right there. And I think that's a really cool use of it. Um, I'm really excited for the gesture controls to go away because every time I pick up a glass, like, it will just show a hand
0: and no
2: matter what. And I, I didn't even know you could do that until that happened. So, um, yeah, yeah, why would anybody
0: want to do that? (laughs) And
2: Exactly. And if you do any Twitch streaming too, then that's your camera and your microphone. So I think that's, it still has some utility
0: for sure. And, and I would say also that it's interesting to me that the whole bonus to when they announced the connect bundled with Xbox One out of the box was that they knew they were everybody was going to have that. And then as soon as they took it out, they created the situation that they've had before, which is what this interview is talking directly to, which is this idea that as we update the OS on the Xbox, we now have to think about people that don't have Connect, And it's like, well, the whole point was that you weren't going to have to think about that. I guess it's good because it reduced the overall price of the system and gave people options. But I'm... I, you and I are both examples of people that still use it. Christian, your Xbox One doesn't have a Kinect. Is that right?
1: It does. I. It's in a separate room. I don't use it at all. You Voice keep Kinect... the Kinect in a separate room? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I moved my Xbox into my office, and I didn't bother bringing the, – trudging the Kinect over there. Cause you just I have, just have like...
0: the Kinect camera pointed at, like, old dolls in the corner. <laughs> you want to watch watching. something, Microsoft? <laughs> watch this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I see the utility in it. I know that I don't have generic newscaster voice and, you know, my voice is a little nasally or whatever, but I'm not sure what the reason, like, um, again, apologies if this triggers anything for anyone. When I say, hey, Siri, that works just fine for me, but Connect voice controls never really worked that well. I don't know if that was sitting too far away from my TV um, or, you know, the Connect itself, and I just didn't find it useful. So when I moved the Xbox, I had no reason to move over. The connect. I I think voice controls are the best thing that it does. But I also think it's a shame that they didn't take the time to integrate a microphone into the controller. Maybe the way um, Fire TV has that. I think the new Apple TV has that as well. Because that kind of stuff could be used for everybody. You know, both you and Aaron said the gesture controls were the things you didn't like. So I think it's easy to get rid of that and keep the the convenient stuff. But um, I guess it wasn't in the in the cards.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely use it to. If the phone rings, I'll use it to mute the television or pause the television uh, without having to search for a remote. That's awesome. But I definitely have to get Stern with it sometimes, uh, especially <laughs> to turn to turn on. Let me oh, hear, it.
1: I, huh? Let me hear Jeff Stern, Jeff.
0: I can't because it'll happen. It'll. it'll it's, <laughs> I'm too close. It'll happen in my room. Um, but uh, you know, if I have to repeat myself a few times, it's like, okay, we're, we're getting serious. Xbox, come on. Um, but I never have to do that with Alexa. Alexa's very nice. Although she's listening to me right now too, ah. she's
1: judging you. She is judging you so hard right now.
0: <laughs> um, interesting in the in the chat room, uh, uh, passion of the nerd said um, that the uh, what we were talking about as far as splintering the market is the reason that Morpheus isn't going to go well as well. Um, although it's not called Morpheus anymore, I, that's going to be interesting to see too. Anytime the market is splintered like that, you never know who what your install base is. So.
1: Uh, Aaron, can I ask you, we talked about this a little bit uh, on Twitter back and forth, but I'm curious to get your take, because the Kinect's not the bulkiest thing, but and I think we'll talk more about a, a race wheel setup that you have later, and I, you don't have to confirm one way or another, I don't know what uh, you know NDAs are for things, but I imagine you mm-hmm. have drums and maybe some guitars and some other things sitting around your place, and maybe a briefcase that houses a controller, and uh-huh, then uh-huh. a Kinect, and then a PlayStation camera, like what is your personal, you live in New York, like, yes, do you love all of this? I mean, is your TV wall mounted? Where's your connect? Where's your like what's what's your struggle? <laughs> How do you deal? <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: it's not, it's not too bad. I, I actually did get rid of my drums uh just because they were the hardest bulkiest thing to store. Um and I did not have any guitars. Uh, I got rid of all those too until very recently. Um so now I'm still Trying to figure that out, but fortunately, in my my place, I have kind of an outside storage area um, where I can put some stuff. A trash can? Is it a big trash <laughs> can? <laughs> <laughs> it's a dumpster. It's a dumpster. It's out the back. My quote unquote <laughs> outside storage area. <laughs> so I have a hallway where I can store some of that bulkier stuff because I'm not allowed to have that just sitting out in my, my in my apartment. My my partner would not go for that, so uh, it does have to be stored. Um, and yeah, it is. It, it, the, the steering wheel in particular is absurdly large um so <laughs> but connect that, connect isn't that like no it connects fine like i have the playstation camera sitting there too and they're just sitting right by my soundbar and that they just kind of blend in as like you know black electronics so uh that's yeah it, it's more the definitely like the the more like the the wheels and the 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 guitars that are a little bit harder to uh make a case for because they just you know they just
1: don't look classy
0: <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> they do not. And there's only so much closet in the world. Um, Christian, what is your uh, what's your story of the week?
1: It has to be this Wall Street Journal news story or article that they put up about developer kits are going out for the Nintendo NX now. And I think the biggest thing for me, the takeaway, is that it it will be a hybrid console, hybrid being home and handheld, which I love because everybody's like, I, I that's what I said, I predicted it, like. No, I said that too, but none of us predicted it. We all just parroted when someone else said it. (laughs) It doesn't matter. But they also say it's going to have, quote, industry-leading chips, which is the, the thing in this article the most that is, you know, a feather tickling your toe or whatever, because Holy moly! What does that mean? Industry leading chips. For... I love the industry leading chips. They were amazing at Coachella this year. <laughs> they, were, they actually are pretty good. I saw them at the Troubadour um, with Oh Wonder, but it doesn't matter. People don't, uh, people
0: don't realize that DLC actually stands for industry leading chips.
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Your best one yet, Jeff. You, uh, Thank you. you have a Do gift. <laughs> but is it is it industry leading for a handheld? Which I would also wonder. Does that include? cell phones because you know the the new Google phones are pretty impressive the new iPhone is pretty impressive is it industry leading meaning PlayStation 4 like anyway it's it's such a vague term but the promise of this thing if it is that hybrid console that all of us have fantasized about the home you take it with you on the go and it's more powerful than the PlayStation 4 and Xbox 1 like I'm day 1 you know I'm camping for this thing right this is this is the dream yeah yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Yeah. Exciting. No, no question mark. Exclamation point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. I. I wanted to have. Uh, I wanted to lead the industry in. Uh, in in <laughs> chips. I definitely want that. No. We. We've all wanted that since. I don't even know when was the last time. Like Super Nintendo was the last time that Nintendo like was on the cutting edge of technology.
1: They led uh, the industry for sure. But they also say the company's on track to introduce it as early as next year, which. My only concern is then that it's the PlayStation 4.1. You know what I mean? It's not, right? Not really industry leading because PlayStation Five is two years away. Whatever. Sorry, Jeff. Go ahead.
0: No, I, I I also agree with the other part of your your setup there, which is that industry leading chips compared to what? Compared to portable devices? Compared to consoles? Compared to PCs? Compared to what? Um, I, I'm very. Intrigued and, and we have uh, since the first mentioning of the NX we and as you said others have said over and over that why does not Nintendo combine their two markets and create a, a you know one ring to rule them all and have the thing be both the DS and the home console all in one it goes with you and locks in you know it plugs back into the home base or whatever um, I think that's a cool idea. And I think that would be really um, exciting. But what does that thing look like? And if it's truly portable like that, is it an industry-leading chip in comparison to the
1: iPad Pro? I'd love it if it's a PlayStation 2 chip. And the argument is the PlayStation 2 is the most sold console ever. It's an (laughs) industry-leading chip architecture. The Emotion Engine is back, baby. (laughs) What do you think, Aaron?
2: Yeah, it's very it's yeah, it, I that's a good question. Um if if it is just like handheld industry leading then I'm not as excited. Um I think even if it is PS4 Xbox One level then that is pretty interesting especially if it's in within, you know, a year or so. Um I think the the PS4 and Xbox One are going to be around for quite a while. So it would actually be, you know, somewhat on par if not a little ahead of that. That sounds pretty good to me. Um versus like constantly being a step behind. Because uh, even when Wii U, you know, Wii U had a good year launch, uh, sorry, a good year uh, head start, and yet it still didn't look any better than the 360 or PS3 at the time. Um, at the time, I think. Uh, now it probably does. But so, you know, if we're talking about a very uh, capable handheld, you know, it's basically imagine if you could take your Wii U gamepad with you and play the, your same game and not being tethered to your TV. I, I think that's pretty appealing uh, as someone who has a commute, and well, I would I think, just imagine if you it. can
1: take your PlayStation 4 with you, right? I mean, that's what I'm hoping for, for parity, like, getting in, I know there's the Wi-Fi issue or whatever, so this is a dumb example, but playing Battlefront or Halo, ju- getting some Halo in on your commute, and then continuing same Halo when you get home. is like, that's isn't
0: there a reason why we don't have those in the handhelds and why they need to be larger boxes? Isn't the the whole reason is that yeah lazy be, scientists
1: ah lazy scientists <laughs> see if we can um, get a man on Mars, and he can live there for years. I'm that just was, saying it like, was fiction.
0: That was fiction, Christian. I don't think you understand how movies work.
1: I saw it on on a on a big screen. I'm pretty sure it was real. Donald were, Glover I you were was in say,
0: it. Yeah, but Steve Jobs is real, and that's a movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, That's a better one. Thank you. Just, uh, can we edit point enter now? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um,
0: I don't know. This is going to be a really interesting to see. This is all going to. I mean, I think this next E3, it's all coming down, right? If they're talking about christmas next year a year from now a new nintendo console with zelda as a launch title and (laughs) star fox as a launch title and you know oh man crazy town
1: i'd love it if the hybrid console really is just a home console but then you're you're, instead of like a memory card it just saves it onto an amiibo and like you can take it with you (laughs) (laughs) i'd still buy that amiibo though
0: it's gonna be interesting to see if if the if that take it with you part is just streamed because stream seems to be the new the new
1: that's not taking it with player. you
0: though it isn't like, taking it with you I don't know it's gonna be interesting to see um, my uh, my story of the week is also a Nintendo story it's a it's just a little nostalgia story the NES the Nintendo Entertainment System turned 30 yesterday as, as of this recording yesterday October 18th uh, it turned 30 was released in October. 18th 1985, the uh, original Nintendo Entertainment System, basically resurrecting the console as a as a viable product to sell. The uh, Atari crash had happened. There weren't such things as as home consoles, and uh, Nintendo launched in America with 18 games, including Duck Hunt, Ice Climber, Excite Bike, Super Mario Brothers, of course uh and i just wanted to kind of remember this i don't know if you guys we're all i think old enough to have memories of this actually happening i had a friend uh who was uh, who had one i didn't actually have an nes um but i had a friend who did and i remember when it first came out playing gyromite and duck hunt for hours at my friend's house and just thinking it was the greatest thing ever uh, and we played Gyromite without Robbie the Robot. We played it as like a two-player game where one player just tries to squash the other player. Um, but uh, Aaron, do you have any memories of the original NES?
2: Oh, I can tell you the exact time that I first played it and how it completely changed my entire life. So, oh, please do. <laughs> um, actually, I think it was I think it was in, until '89 that I played it. But I remember going to uh, my family went to visit one of my parents' friends, and they had uh, kids who were a couple years older than I was. And they had an NES, and uh, I played Mario, and that was it. I was just done. You know, like, I I played that thing. I think we played all night. When I went to sleep, I could hear the music. I could see things moving. (laughs) I mean, that happened to me the other night also. So it's, you know, nothing's changed. It's just 30 years later.
0: More of a mental disorder than anything else.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I, I mean, I remember it vividly because... I had a an Atari, and I loved it, and, you know, I loved go, uh, 2600, and I loved going to the arcade and, and all that kind of thing, but there was just something special about, for me, playing Mario for the first time that uh, I hadn't experienced, and, uh, yeah, it was a big thing.
0: I love in the chat room when oh, I was talking about, I had a friend who had one, Purple Hydra said, we all had a friend. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. And then Sushi X says here in the chat, um, Oh, my God, I remember in 88, my parents bought one for us. Mario, Castlevania, and Duck Hunt were our first games. Uh, What about you, Christian? Did you have an NES?
1: Yeah, so two quick stories. One, this is more of just the times. And I know Toys R Us, they also often locked the games up, and you'd pull the tag, and you'd go wherever. But um, my friend, I was with him at the time. We were were shopping. His name was Neil, and we were at Toys R Us and whatever, and got, like, He-Man toys or whatever it is. And then he... I don't think he was stealing. I don't. I mean, we were young, but I don't know. He put. In, they had the Nintendos out, and he put one on the bottom of the shopping cart, and they just walked out with it. <laughs> so, and
0: you don't think he was
1: stealing? Well, they went. They gave it back. I don't know if it's oh. you know intentional. I think we were like however old we were, five or whatever it is. Um, and he like picked it up, put it on while the, his mom was looking at something else. And then we walked outside, and his mom's she's like, "What's this?" And and Neil was like, it's a Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> and just like all excited. And we had to give it back. Um, when we got ours, um, I remember how old I was. I know it wasn't launch day or whatever. But my dad, and my dad's the best, you know, great relationship, love the guy. He's he's sweet. But he was a ship captain, so he was gone for months at a time on an oil tanker and whatever. And would come back and then be home for months at a time. So we would often play the game with him where uh, he'd be home and our mom would be out. And we'd be like, hey... Mom said it's cool if we have ice cream for lunch. <laughs> like, you're not normally here, so you don't know what, what to do. <laughs> and so I think he also was playing that game. And he came home and was like, we had a Vision before we had a Nintendo. And he came home and was like, guys, look what I got. I got you a, a new game. And he pulled out Donkey Kong. And we were like, yeah, oh, dad, we don't have a Nintendo This is for Nintendo. We can't play. And we were like, idiot, dad. And, he, <laughs> and you know, he like relished in that moment for a little bit and he was like oh you mean it doesn't work on that and he already had it set up under the tv and i mean it was it was like poop explosions going <laughs> on in that house like all of our insides just came outside we were so excited it was Aww. well done
0: Great dad moment. It would have
1: been a viral YouTube video. Thanks for not filming it, dad. (laughs) Oh,
0: Why didn't he spend $700 on a VHS camcorder?
1: (laughs) Hanging by, like, huge C-clamps from the ceiling to support it.
0: (laughs) It was called Go Amateur at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 30 years. I can't believe it. I can't believe it's been 30 years since the NES. I don't know. I wish I knew what year my friend got it because I don't think it was right at launch because they say that there were only 100,000 of them at launch and um, it really wasn't until a couple years later that they became um, really much more expanded. That They had a sort of national American launch uh, that was was really more regional. It was sort of launched in New York. So uh, very interesting. 30 years of NES this week. Pretty cool. Um, let me uh, introduce one other quick story, and because I know we have a lot of games to talk about, but uh, I'm curious what you guys think. We, we've talked a lot about Steam Machines on this show, and the first Alienware one and the Steam Controller have uh, hit the web as far as um, impressions go. I still have yet to try the Steam Controller. I'm very anxious to. Not anxious enough to actually buy one, but, but I'm hoping to give but it a shot. if you want to send anything.
1: one, you can email Jeff at Jeff at... <laughs> Jeff at
0: totallyradshow.com.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I would love to try one, but I, I just,
0: I'm very skeptical about it. A lot of people have talked very positively about the haptic feedback that the controller has, but there's still, I think in general, all of the uh, impressions that I read of the Steam <clears> Machine, <throat> the Alienware Steam Machine, uh, are pretty mixed, and I've read a lot of them. Uh, everybody is talking about how the form factor is pretty cool. It's evidently the size of a Wii U, which is very small, very small for a powerful PC, which is cool. If, if you know, if the idea is to put this in the living room and not you know in the office, I think uh, I think that's a great thing. But that uh, overall, the um, the op the um, menu system for the for Steam uh, Steam machines is still pretty clunky, although that is going to change and. And evolve over time, but that uh, the the machine itself is not particularly impressive. Um, Aaron, do you have? Have you had any firsthand experience with either of these? No, I haven't. Um, and, and you know, this
2: is the kind of thing that appeals to me. I think I said last time I was on the show that I'm not a PC gamer at all. Um, and that's largely because i'm a mac person and i you know i find that the thought of pc is just terrifying and scary um so this <laughs> appeals to me and in, in like here you know you just kind of pick you, you you pick your thing out of the box and this is what you got and then hopefully it'll run the things you want to run um and you know and like i i really like sitting on my couch and it's definitely interesting i'd love to you know I'd love to get my hands on one if if, if anyone wants. You know, I'm I'm at Entertainment Weekly. We have a really big audience. If anyone wants to reach out, I'll, I'll, yeah. glad, <laughs>
1: I'll
2: gladly check it out. Um, but no, uh, it's it's definitely. Uh, I'm really curious because I think that is this is the way that I would get my toes into PC gaming. Uh, one of these set top uh, under the
0: TV boxes. Uh, you coloring s- coloring squared here in the chat said he tried the haptic feedback and it feels like the touchpad is creaking under your finger. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider that a positive response, but uh, what were you going to say, Christian?
1: I just love the way you guys managed to set me up to play my role so perfectly. Um, <laughs> I I, I kind of don't understand the appeal of these things because the beauty, I love a small form factor PC. I love a PC that can sit in, under my entertainment center or whatever, but I feel like part of the appeal of a PC is that you're able to get in, you can tinker with things, you, you optimize so that your settings are just what you want them to be. Uh, you know part of the joy of that community is you're tinkering with everything turning on anti-aliasing turning off whatever and you know shadow detail high and tinkering with these things and then you get the steam machine or this Alienware. they also had one that's not tied to steam os comes out and i feel like you're in you're in uncharted waters in a way that you don't know what you can run necessarily because you're, you're limited to something and you can't upgrade it, so you have kind of a great indie game machine maybe, but you're hoping that you can run Arkham Knight. That's a bad example. You're hoping you can run... <laughs> uh Metal Gear, as optimized as it is on PS4, but oftentimes PC ports aren't optimized as well. So, you're, I don't know, it just feels like you have the headache of trying to figure out the settings to best run a game on your uh, you know, mini PC without the joy, quote-unquote, of realizing that you need to upgrade your graphics card or tinker with this and that. And if you want to sit on your couch and play games, what's wrong with the Xbox One or PS4 or Wii U? Are you really go through all of those amazing games that you need more games to play i don't quite understand like the steam link the streaming thing which unfortunately doesn't work with Mac still i think is more appealing because that's opening up your pc to another screen in your house somewhere uh i don't understand the the, the appeal of this constrained pc
0: yeah no I'm, I'm right there with you i feel like it's it's a solution searching for a problem in a lot of ways i mean i think the argument is there are a bunch of great pc only games that maybe you want to play on your big screen in your living room somebody one of the reviewers i read uh, talked about playing pillars of eternity for example uh, on the big screen he said it was a pretty cool experience so you know that's a that's a thing i guess but uh from all accounts it sounds like the the uh support is sort of catch as catch can. There there aren't the five thousand games uh, at launch that they claimed there would be that support this Steam OS because it's basically Linux. The uh, Steam OS is running on Linux, um, so there's a lot of games that are on Steam that don't work on Steam OS. And you know, um, at least one of the people that I read, uh, I think it was a Kotaku article, said that this uh, there's Alienware puts out a basically a Windows PC that's in the similar form factor. Mm-hmm. So if you want this cool small thing and you could still run windows and not have to worry about compatibility issues with the steam os and that you know big window mode that's what it's called right big screen mode what is it called big when picture big picture okay. mode thank you um, that big picture mode works just as well if not better than this new this new os they're they're touting so you know it's going to change it's going to evolve it's going to continue but uh, for now it's it really sounds like these for as long as we all said we wanted them boy they continue to just kind of Underwhelm, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, talking about something that does not underwhelm. Let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Linda. Linda is a great place to go if you want to learn something. Uh, L- Linda is a an incredible platform. Truly, uh, they have. Uh, and it's a repository. They have over three thousand on-demand video courses with. Topics in business, technology, creative skills, so many things that you can learn. Software programs, web design, photography, game design. If you're interested in getting into game design, they have all kinds of cool programs from 3D modeling with specific software to HTML5 game development to lighting, just materials and lighting in Unity. Any, Really, there is so much there, and these are professional classes Made by experts in the field who know how to make videos. This isn't just a YouTube esque kind of Wild West where any old person is throwing up garbage that you know you don't even know if it's accurate. These are all up to date. You know you have you, they're talking about the most current version of the software. And the coolest part is you can search all of these these courses they're all transcribed so you can do a text search and then that will shoot you right to the exact minute and second in the video for the information that you want so you don't have to sit through minutes and minutes of uh stuff you don't need you don't have to scrub through the video looking for that morsel to get the answer that you want it's very very cool and the best part is we're going to let you try it for 10 days completely free you get your run of the site there's nothing off limits to you 10 days completely free. All you got to do is go to lynda.com slash dlc. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash dlc. And try it out. We're going to give you 10 days to make sure that this is something that you want to pay for before you pay for it. <clears throat> uh, I'm, I think you should just check it out anyway. Just go look at lynda.com slash dlc. Find out how many amazing courses there are, how many things that you can do that really do help you do the things you already do or le- learn a new skill altogether very very cool lynda.com slash dlc they make this show possible and uh, we we think you should give them a shot um, we want them to know that you heard about it here so make sure you use that that url com slash dlc uh, alright dudes um, lots of fun stuff to talk about in the playlist so let's do that now Ooh, playing this we can tell us Aaron, you and I have been playing Halo 5. Let's start there. Um, Here's the thing. Microsoft, I'm sure, told you the same thing they told me, which is uh, we can't give a review. Right. We can give a preview. Of the first
2: three chapters? Yes.
0: And chapter eight, oddly. I don't know how they came up with that. Yeah, I don't know how they came up with that either. I haven't played Chapter 8, but I did play the first three chapters twice.
1: But on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you preview this game?
0: <laughs> I think my preview is going to earn a 10, because I'm good at previewing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Aaron, what's What, is, what you, What's your take on Halo 5?
2: Uh, yeah, so I played the first three chapters as well um, I, uh, several times, because I was uh, doing some Twitch streams. And I have to say, like, okay, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um I, I'm, you know, I'm a longtime Halo fan. It totally reinvigorated my love of consoles back in 2001 when the Xbox came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, I think, you know, it got me into multiplayer LAN parties, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But, you know, so this is the single player only. And, and honestly, that's my bread and butter of Halo. I love their campaigns. I think they do awesome stuff with the AI I feel like when you play, you feel like you're this, in, you know, just taking part in these enormous battles with so much stuff going on and so many different ways to approach them. And I think that these first few chapters of five, they definitely are uh, three, four, three is hitting on all that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I Boy, I'm going to echo a lot of the stuff that you said. I love Halo. I was thinking about it and I never really thought about it in these terms. But other than Diablo... I think that Halo might be the only series that I've consistently played on multiple difficulty settings. There are a few games here and there that I've tried on different difficulties, but every single Halo I've played on multiple difficulty settings and every single Diablo. Those are the only two series that I know for sure that are like that. And I think that's, that says a lot about Halo and the certain magic that it has. And I was completely reminded of that magic as soon as I turned on Halo 5. Hopefully, hopefully people saw my Twitch stream as well, uh, twitch.tv slash Kanada Jeff. Um, first of all, this game screams new gen, right? It is it is so pretty. Oh, uh, so uh, <laughs>
1: new gen!
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, reclaimer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it it's so so pretty and it starts with this massively awesome cutscene that uh is in a lot of the commercials and kudos to them for using like the first cutscene from the game for their commercials uh it, but the cu- cutscene is really well done i heard it's in engine which is pretty spectacular oh, wow. and and i believe it because the game looks that good and then you start playing it and the frame rate is silk silky smooth and i'm reminded how big a deal that is with shooters it feels so smooth and fluid and whatever it is about halo and i granted i have sort of been off first person shooters for a while i played a bunch of destiny and destiny is very fun i'm not saying it isn't but there's some special sauce in halo and i think that a lot of what it is is they don't give you ammo that they let they force you to improvise on the battlefield by forcing you to constantly change up your weapons. And I think that goes a long way into feeling what is special about Halo, which is all the different weapon types and sort of the that like maestro of the battlefield where all these cool enemies are acting smart and you are in Taking part in this large battle that doesn't seem to be made just for you but seems to be made – seems to be existing there anyway and you're just a part of it and you're running around and maybe you're jumping into a warthog and maybe you're picking up a big weapon. Maybe you're picking up a little weapon. All that stuff, it it feels more like this really cool creative improvisation of what I'm going to do next instead of, well, I got my perfect loadout and I started the game exactly how I wanted to be and I progressed down the corridor and I shot the things. And, and I think that three four three, at least in these first three missions, really nailed it. It feels modern and new and fresh, and I was having a blast with it.
1: I think the thing you guys both said, and y- you know, you said it explicitly a little bit at the end, but you guys are really tipping your cap to three four three. I think some people were concerned after Halo Four. Um, that maybe they weren't the best people to carry the torch for Halo. They did a lot right, but it felt like they were just doing Halo, and then the new things they tried to do were a little bit of misses. But I feel like most of the praise you've been heaping on Halo 5 during this preview is, you know, all the things you love about Halo and how Halo makes you feel and how this game made you feel that Halo, which I think is some of the highest praise you can give a game, you know, that's still under a relatively new steward, right? I mean, if it makes you feel ha- all the halos, and it's not Bungie, I think people are going to be pretty dang excited.
0: Yeah, well, well, they do a really cool thing, too, and I, I wonder if this landed on you in the same way, Aaron, as it did, did for me. Is th- And I guess this is a slight spoiler, but again, it's only the first three missions, and and anybody that's seen the box art or knows the idea behind this game understands that, that it's really uh, about Spartan Locke and Master Chief, right? And you play as both characters. And they do a really smart thing, which is the first mission you play as Spartan Locke. And it's really cool. It's, you know, you're in this squad of four, and it's all built around four-player co-op, potentially, although I haven't played like that yet. But, um, but you're, you know, you're Spartan Locke, and you're doing cool Spartan Locke stuff. And then the second mission, you play as Master Chief. And for me, they're both Spartans, but they do something really cool. When you, lock, when you drop into uh, Master Chief, it felt different it felt like oh yeah he's the special one master chief it this feels familiar and yet looks better than it's ever been and seeing that battle rifle there in the hud and like how his visor is different and his um waypoint marker is different and like all that stuff but it's different but reminiscent of the old games in this cool nostalgia way that i was like oh yeah now i'm the guy I thought that was a really cool moment.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting too because you know when you're playing it, they don't play any differently. Kind of the same way in uh, Halo Two, Arbiter didn't really control differently. Right. Um, uh, but there is something about it, and I, and I can't figure out what it is either because I, I feel like you know Chief does not have the most distinctive personality. Right. Yeah. You know, it's he like he doesn't have
0: any personality.
2: Yeah, it's guy in green. You know, he cares about like Cortana, and I guess that's about it. Um, but there was something to it, and I don't know if it's just because we've been playing it for so long and, you know, have such a strong attachment to it, but I, I definitely felt the same way because, yeah, when you get to the Chief, there's just, I don't know, it's just like, oh, and the other guy, that's cool, that's cool. But oh, no, yeah, here we go. Now we're now yeah. we're really playing.
1: I want to see Chief's Tinder profile where it's like, likes, Cortana, <laughs> dislikes, <laughs> flood, the library. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like three pictures of him with just like big halos in the background and then one of them says like this could be us but you play in and uh you know put a ring on it he's real classy real up with the yeah, memes
0: he's good and there's like a picture with him with no shirt on in the mirror but he still has the helmet oh, right.
1: <laughs> and the and the caption is like uh something totally not about his body it's uh <laughs> oh no, yeah
0: it's like body evolved <laughs> um I will say this, but the, the only, the only I guess, slightly negative thing, I, I was really loving it. And yes, there were a bunch of people on my stream who are like, sure looks like Halo. And I was like, that's not a bad thing. Halo is awesome. The only thing I will say is there's a whole lot of story going on at the beginning of this game. And I have no idea what what's happening. I mean, none. Do you, do, do you feel a little bewildered or am I just like not up on my Halo lore? Oh no, I, I'm totally on board with you. Um,
2: I'm like, did I play Halos one through four? Am, <laughs> yeah. am I missing something? Like, there was something that that I, I won't spoil, but there, the the state of Halsey, <laughs> which yeah. I, I saw that and I was like, yeah, I don't remember that at all. When did that happen? Yeah, exactly. But what's what's a Halsey? Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, and you know, it's been a while. I I did play through parts of Halo Four when uh, the cheap collection came out last year. But you know, I—it's never really been the most narratively satisfying to me um, thing. I think it's a fun kind of you know popcorn movie kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah I- I'm not. I'm not reading the novel companions or listening to the uh, podcast to try to you know get in, and I, and I, I get that people are totally into that and I think that's really cool. Um, but for me, it just doesn't like you know it's like covenant bad flood batter.
0: Yeah. Well, shoot. Covenant kind of not bad now. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. is also bad. Forerunner, I shoot basically I'm shooting a lot of things. I don't know. Um but yeah, there's like in the first three missions or in the second mission, there's this like almost dream sequence moment where you can tell there was supposed there's something that has a lot of weight to it that happens, and somebody says a word that is I think supposed to have a lot of resonance for me, and I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> She's like she says this word, and they're like, "Oh no!" And I was like, oh, "I don't, I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> but whatever, you know, it's fine. It's still fun, and that's the point. Is like, it is so fun, and uh, I'm really excited to to play through the rest and uh, tell you guys what I feel about that. Hopefully, hopefully, it holds up over the course of the entire campaign.
2: Yeah, I was going to say real quick. Um, I really like the the squad mechanic of having your three people with you at all times mm-hmm. uh, unlike you know you know cuz and that's been since the beginning like with the In Halo one you know you're driving up on the marines and then they're screaming and dying in terror <laughs> but right. uh, your your squad mates now the uh, fire team Osiris and uh blue team they're they're pretty capable you know yeah. and they can now revive you if you get downed which i think is really helpful when you're playing by yourself yeah, um, I've been playing on heroic and, you know, I get down quite a bit and it's nice when uh, Frederick or Linda can come save me.
0: Oh, Linda. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been saying that a lot. Um, yes, I agree. And there's a lot of really cool new just pure mechanics in the game. Like there's this cool like boosty thing you can do that I've found to be really fun. I didn't find it out until like halfway through my stream. But once I did, I I really dug doing that. And the best thing is this cool new uh, melee attack where you can if you're running forward and try melee attack you like pop out into third person for a second and do a, a smash people are saying it's it's destiny-esque it's kind of like the super moves in destiny but it's really cool and in the first mission you're in this like icy snowy area and there are these cool stalactites that cover up different areas and you can like bust through them and it's it is so satisfying the way it feels is so satisfying yeah,
2: that and the ground pound too. If you can, uh, yeah, get a height advantage and then pound into like a a pool of grunts, it's it's quite nice.
0: So lots more to talk about with Halo Five over the next week or so, but uh, early impressions from both of us are uh, are very positive. And um, I, I didn't think I really, honestly didn't anticipate myself being this enthusiastic about that game because um, it really wasn't it wasn't one of those must play games this year, but it has become that. I'm I in that place where I'm looking forward to more sessions of it so I like
1: that Aaron are you are you allowed to talk about um, your control input for this game I am not yet okay
0: yeah Uh, but you are allowed to talk about uh, Yoshi's Woolly World uh, which uh, is adorable and whimsical (laughs) and beautiful and, and but is it fun yeah so here's the thing I am a Yoshi's Island diehard.
2: like that for me is a top 10 of all time game I love it. I love the music. It makes me happy, and so I am, I've been very, very skeptical about every subsequent uh, Bully World* release because they've all been fed in garbage. And uh, <laughs> uh, that last one, the 3DS one, was just terrible and depressing. And it's—it's it's like it just felt like a, you know, like oh, so this is Yoshi's Island. Uh, it's not that hard, you know. <laughs> just yeah, we'll just do this, and it just didn't work. It, it felt soulless to me. Um, so I'm very, very pleasantly surprised by Woolly World, which I found a delight from start to finish. Um, yeah, there, yeah, I, I'm really, you know, and I, you know, because it, it was, re- 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 sorry, it was released in Europe uh, this summer, and you know, so you could check out reviews, and the reviews have been, you know, like meh, mixed, mixed to positive on the positive end, and uh, so I was like, all right, all right, you know, I'll just play through it, see what it thinks. I thought this game was just absolutely joyous to play uh you know the graphics are not it's not just adorable but it's the world is so fully realized Mm -hmm. the way that everything looks handcrafted Uh, it's like i said in my review it looks like etsy exploded on your screen (laughs) and uh it's just everything is so thought out you know the way like the shy guys unravel when you eat them the way like the the lava looks like a scarf that's moving across the screen um, it's it's cool really it beautiful. seems to
0: have like an internal logic to mm-hmm. it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the music is wonderful. I mean, I think Yoshi's Island has one of the best scores. And this one, the title screen is just like gently strumming acoustic guitar. And it just doesn't sound like anything else out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in terms of like the gameplay, I, you know, it's it's not the most difficult game. It's not like Donkey Kong Country where, you know, you're cursing at your TV. Um, you know, if you want to just uh, kind of race through it and hold right, you can you can do that. You know, I don't think it's as fun as if you try to collect everything, which I think is where they get the challenge in. Yeah. And one thing that I think is really smart is that there's actually a good incentive to collect things because you can unlock new Yoshi yarn skins. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty good incentive because they're freaking adorable. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was uh, I was at my friend's house this weekend, and his girlfriend was playing. And she she would come out of the the room where she was playing uh, every so often to, just to get food or drink. And she'd be like, "I I just need to I finished all the the other level, but now I need to go back and I need to get that skin. I need to get the Yoshi skin." It's like, wow, this game has got its hooks in, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, crochet hooks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's always how the Nintendo platform, and a lot of Nintendo games in general, are structured, right, where you can go through and get through the level, but that's almost not what Nintendo wants you to do. It's like, yeah, great, you did it, but at the end of the level, look at all these things that you didn't collect, and that really, really is where where the challenge is, and some of them are too challenging, <laughs> I think, but rewarding when you're able to get it.
2: Yeah, and, you know, they actually do some interesting, I think there's some, like, really interesting one-off levels, and you could, that could be a criticism that, you know, they introduce this kind of cool mechanic and then you never see it again, but there's, there's, like, a, there's a a part where you turn into a mermaid Yoshi, which, all right. (laughs) and and it's one of those timed uh, sequences, kind of like the mole ones from Yoshi's Island, and it kind of feels like Echo the Dolphin. So you're just kinda, you know, you're racing through the water and you're, you know, skimming and doing flips and stuff and collecting things. And I just thought that was a delight because we'll never see another echo ever again, sadly. But uh yeah, it, it tried a lot of things. I mean, I think if you if you like Yoshi's Island, I would definitely give William World a spin because it really surprised me.
0: Uh, it sounds awesome. I, I hope it uh I hope it does well because I, I love these these kind of aesthetic uh experiments, I guess you could call them. Um, and, and, you know, I guess this needs to be the the big Wii U system seller for the. Yeah. Oof. It's a lot of responsibility for a whimsical game like this, but whatever.
2: Yeah. But Yarn Yoshi Amiibo. I don't know. It's pretty yeah. good. So.
0: <laughs> I bet you Yarn Yoshi Amiibo sells more copies than the game. <laughs> Probably. I would, almost, I would almost guarantee that. Um, tell us about uh, Christian teased this at the beginning, but tell us about Forza with your uh, Logitech wheel. Okay, yeah. So I got this
2: uh, this Xbox One Logitech wheel to review. It's called the G920. Um, so let me just preface this by saying I haven't driven since 2001. Um, like in I life? Li- yeah, I live in New York. And, uh, wow. I haven't had a car since I graduated from college. Uh, and when I did, I had a Ford Tempo, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am not a driver. I usually drive once a year when I go to visit my parents uh, at the holidays. And uh, every Did time I get, do, have you
0: gotten the uh, cool subway token controller that the, <laughs> they're
2: putting out? Yeah, you just sit there.
0: It's a really it's, fun game. Yeah, it smells terrible too.
2: <laughs> so they sent me this wheel, and I'm like, wow, I could not be less qualified. I'm also not like a car person at all. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I love racing games, but I like arcade games. Uh, like I love uh, Wipeout is one of my favorite series. Ah, I love the Wipeouts. I, I'm really sad that that's. Kind of on indefinite hiatus mm-hmm. because for me those were like like Wipeout XL and three on PlayStation One were just sudden fantastic awesome games. Was so you know good. yeah and you know we've totally gotten away from that and then the next game I like Burnout also now on hiatus because apparently people don't like awesome racing games. I
0: know right. Um,
2: so we're stuck with like you know realistic things with like real cars. Um, but so I, I I was kind of like eh all right Forza I've never been into Forza I. Uh, you, like I said, the sim thing, just not for me. I know people love it. Like Garnet Lee was always, you know, like the, the Forza guy and talking about Grand Turismo. Oh, okay. Right, Christian?
1: Yeah. yeah, continue. I just want to hear about how he's yeah. playing it the right way and I'm stuck playing it with the crappy controller. Go ahead. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> so all that set up just to say when you have a wheel and it's like kicking back against you, it kind of makes driving awesome. Like, I was enjoying Forza more than I ever thought I would because that wheel is ridiculous. Now, let, let me just put this out there the price is ridiculous. It costs <laughs> more than the consoles.
0: You oh, know? Really? Yeah. How much is
2: it? It's uh, 400 bucks, And there's a version for the Xbox One or the PlayStation 4. And I think the Xbox One one works with the PC, and the PS4 one works with the PS3, and maybe the PC. I'm not quite sure. Hmm. But I'm testing the Xbox version. Um, so it is very, very expensive. That said, I don't have to pay for car insurance. You know, I don't have to pay <laughs> for like I don't have a loan payment. Like I, 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 so I could see if you are someone like me who you know lives in the city and has a small place and you miss driving. I actually see this being able to give you a little bit of that taste because the first time I was trying one of the tracks that had, then it was raining. Like you can feel the way the feedback works. And I didn't have it, you know, I don't have like a racing chair, even though I really looked into one because I was getting so into it. Wow. <laughs> but that would never, that would never go. Um, but the way it feels when it kicks, it, I mean, it felt like I was on, you know, the feedback, it, you kind of know what to do based on that feedback, which I was really, I thought was really impressive and, and immersive.
0: That's the um, thing I've always been wanting, man. I've been talking about that for years, right, Christian? The, this This idea of like, when I drive in real life, very little of it, I mean not very little of it but a lot more of it has to do with what my body is feeling rather than what I'm seeing or hearing and I th- always I always feel like for simulation games that's a major detractor. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's amazing. I mean I've I've played with a wheel before but I've played with a, like a $99 wheel not mm-hmm. a $400 wheel so I bet mm-hmm. that's a big difference.
2: Do they have did th- did they have any
0: kind of like feedback
2: with that or was it
0: just like I a mean, it had vibration. vibration? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean cuz so this I, one really
2: like it fights you you know you wow. can like you can kind of like you kind of have to like hold your hand steady and and fight fight with it and awesome. it it makes you it definitely makes it feel way way more immersive so like like i said you know i for what it's worth you know i didn't pay for this they sent it to me and um it you know if you are hardcore into it i think it'd be definitely worth checking out um because it's it's nice, too. You know, it smells like leather. It's got that, like, new car smell. It's like,
0: <laughs> that's amazing.
2: I felt like getting, like, an air freshener and just, like, holding it over me, you
0: know? <laughs> Sounds like you miss driving a lot. <laughs> a little bit. Once <laughs> in a while. So, again, I, uh, that's called the Logitech G920. That's right. Yeah.
1: My old Logitech wheel, I mean, it would fight, too. Like, I would be trying to move it into our new place, and my wife would be trying to throw it away. <laughs> and it, was, it, I really felt it kick. It was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what an experience. That is the way to play though. I mean, if you, if you have the space and you're serious about um, these SIM games, you know, Gran Turismo or Forza or whatever, it, it makes the experience so much better. And $400, it seems, it, well, don't get me wrong, it is expensive. But if you put in, you know, we, we have people in the chat saying they spent, you know, thousands of hours playing Destiny or, you know, the amount of hours you, you play, playing dota or something like that and in the investment that jeff made on a comfy desk chair to sit in front of the computer for longer if this is a platform it, that's
0: an investment in my health yeah
1: not really it's fine okay okay great so you won't end up like your dad at 500 dollars nosebleed seats <laughs> 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 uh you can let me put it this way if you are thinking about getting this wheel or any wheel like it and you need someone to come up with a justification for you send me an email or tweet <laughs> at me and i will put together that the, the pitch doc for you
0: What I want is somebody to make the combination wheel slash rock band drum set slash uh, VR headsets. Like, just let me have one thing that I just stick in a place. And it looks extremely ugly, but at least it's just one thing, (laughs) you know? I'll be be happy. Yeah, it's
2: the combo that really kills everything. (laughs) And they don't stack nicely, you know?
1: Well, that's yeah. the problem. If the combos stacked together, imagine the score multiplier you'd get at the <laughs> end.
0: Ah, oh, that would be so great. <laughs> um, awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Christian, on your uh, what's on your playlist there?
1: So two things I want to talk about. Both will be relatively quick. Minecraft Story Mode, episode one is out now from Ta- Tell Tale Games. I know Jeff, you played through it. I was part of the world's largest Let's Play ever at arclight hollywood at the dome which um can they execution-
0: say that i don't know the- if they can say that because like isn't twitch plays dark souls or whatever isn't that technically larger i'm using
1: their words i don't this was more okay. of a, a cf than twitch plays though because the game the engine wasn't modified right so it's it's the game when you get to the choices x y whatever whatever you know to select your things and it was just like everybody in the theater yell out what you want <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then the that person worked well yeah the person playing the game just picked whatever they were gonna pick let's be honest uh <laughs> but we we played through the entire first episode it's about two hours which i feel is shorter than the other tell 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 man i have a hard time saying that uh alliteration there the, are other games um I think if you're a fan of the series of the IP, this is something that you will like and 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 really enjoy. I it was really fun sitting in the theater. There were a bunch of kids there with their parents, and it was really cool when you know like creepers or enemies appeared on screen, and the kids would be like, "Mom, that's the you know that's the creeper," and <laughs> that's like the thing I
0: I've been telling you about to blank <laughs> stairs for the last three years.
1: It really was, and I heard like some parents going like, "Oh, that's," and they're like, "Yeah," and it was it was really cool. So I think if you're kid is really into minecraft this is a game that you guys could sit down and play together and if it's not a whole theater yelling the answer you know you could sit there with them and be like what do we do sue or whatever that dumb rhyme uh, what do we do jen and then they they pick in it i think it could be really fun make a
0: new plan stan
1: <laughs> no need to be coy roy watch your back jack anyway um how much time do I have left on the show let's just keep this pun train rolling uh the game itself, I, I don't think, is as good as some of the other games that they've made. But part of that might be that I'm not connected to the IP the way I was with some other other games. But I also think if you play enough of these games, you start to see how similar they all are. And I I really want them to take a break from how they do these games. And I think they tried in Jurassic Park, and that game kind of flopped for them so they go back to it. Uh, what I'm saying is The Walking Dead... It worked really well where you're this group and you're there's infighting within the group and you're trying to survive and you have someone that's a hothead and someone that just wants to hide in a corner and you're trying to navigate this dangerous world with this group that all has their own opinions as how they should survive in this dangerous world. And so you get these gray area decisions between a group and I think it worked really well in that IP. In Minecraft story mode, not spoiling the story, it feels a little weird to me when you're this group of like fun-loving kids, yes, there's a problem in the world, but I'm growing tired of seeing infighting within your group. It's like, oh, here's the hothead character that's going to always want to rush out into danger, and we're going to kick someone out of the group. Of course we're going to kick someone out of the group because it's a telltale game, and we always kick someone out of the group. This person's going to wait outside, but oh, we probably want him later. And it's this thing where there are other ways to do cool narrative storytelling, and I wish that they would take a risk, Because it feels very familiar in terms of the the formula for how these things work. My other big problem for these games now that I, I don't know if it can be fixed. I would think so. But they don't sound like real conversations. In that the conversations, the characters talk slowly. And then when they're done talking, there's a pause before the other person speaks. What do you think, Jeff?
0: So you're saying that the entire game is is, is uh, recorded over Skype?
1: <laughs> maybe. That's <laughs> a great... And it's this thing where people don't talk like that. You know, they're jumping in on each other, or conversation starts, and there's overflow. And I think maybe the games are structured this way so that you can listen to the choices because that's the whole game. And If you miss something, you're like, oh, no! But it, it makes it feel plotting to me in a way that doesn't feel natural. Again, though, if you are a fan of these games and you are a fan of this IP... I think there's a lot that you'll enjoy about Minecraft story mode, but if you're growing for kids, right? I think it is. If you're growing tired of these games and Minecraft isn't your thing, you know, pick up the season finale of Tales from Borderlands and enjoy that because that's them doing what they do so well, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, You've also been playing more of the Uncharted collection, right?
1: Yes, so real quick on Uncharted Collection, there's all these things about how, you know, Aladdin is the bad guy in that movie, if you break it down, or Marty is the bad guy in Back to the Future. Um, Nathan Drake, after replaying these three games, is a huge jerk. (laughs) Like, not not in that it's a murder simulator. He's a horrible human being that just gets by on his good looks and charm. So spoilers for the beginning of all three of these games. Uncharted 1. You're there with uh, Alana, Elena, whatever. And then pirates start showing up, and she's like, why don't we call the cops? And he's like, well, we could if we had a permit to be here, but we don't. So we'll get arrested because we're stealing artifacts from Panama. Like, you're filming a TV show, and you didn't take the time to get your permits right? Come on, Drake. And then he kills all these pirates because he didn't do his job right and get a permit. And then he immediately strands her and leaves her behind. Jerk. Uncharted 2 <laughs> Uncharted 2 uh, was uncharted two uncharted 2 opens with Nathan meeting his old friend and his old girlfriend on the beach and they invite him to come along on this awesome adventure and Nathan's like, this sounds great. I'm so excited to do this Cut to two seconds later he's already sleeping with his friend's current girlfriend he thinks at the time and scheming for a way to backstab his friend and make off with the treasure. Like, granted, his friend ends up screwing him over worse later, but at the time, Nathan didn't know that. Nathan's like, this sounds like a great adventure. So good to see you, Bill. Let's screw over Bill. He'll never know. Jerk. Uncharted 3 opens with Jerk Kid as a little kid, and what is he trying to do? He's trying to rip off Sully and steal this artifact from a museum for who knows why. And Sully's like, hey, kid, be careful. You're going to get in with the wrong crowd. These guys are dangerous. Dude, no one is more dangerous than an 11-year-old that somehow ended up in a South American country stealing crap from other white tourists and then stealing national treasures because they want them. Jerk. He's a jerk.
0: Can't wait for that Halo, uh, that Uncharted uh, 4, though, right?
1: Me, I Don't get me wrong. Uh, Uncharted games are some of my favorite games of all time. Replaying them was a joy. The aiming tweaks they made for Uncharted 3... Make that game with its, I think, somewhat questionable enemy encounters far more playable. I really, really love the games, but that character—he's—I'm I'm hoping that Thief's End is like Sully's, just like Nathan. You're a jerk, enough, and then he kills him. With you. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> that's uh, the end of the day, but you recommend the uh, Uncharted Nathan Jerk Collection.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's really good with some jerk chicken too. It's uh, <laughs> a delicious, delicious meal.
0: Awesome um i we haven't done this in a while but i want to read a story of glory tale of fail we get the people send in the stories of glories and tales of fails to our email address dlcfeedback at gmail.com i love this one and i wanted to make some time to read it uh this was sent in from l uh ellie l i guess uh she writes hi guys i loved playing final fantasy and number 10 was one of my favorites on the playstation 2 It was a wonderful game but i found some of the boss battles to be really hard despite training my party and leveling them up with new abilities one fight in particular made me very frustrated spoilers about who the bad guy is for final fantasy X, but it was the fight against seymour on a clifftop no matter how well i prepared he was able to decimate my entire party with a combination of zombie spells and full party attacks so i went to my friend who was also into Final Fantasy and asked for his advice. This was nice as I also had a little crush on him and I gave and it gave me an excuse to talk to him about something we had in common. He told me he'd managed to get through the fight without any trouble at all. I couldn't believe it, but he advised me that if I went into the battle with all of my Aeon's overdrives around me, woo, excuse me, had a, a, a monster just jumped out of my throat. Pardon me, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I went into the battle with all of my Aeon's overdrives ready, then I'd kill Seymour easily. So I went back and tried this strategy. It definitely helped, and I was able to do some serious damage, but in the the time I lost between one Aeon dying and the next being summoned, Seymour still kept killing me with a full-party attack. Ultimately frustrated, I invited him over to my place so he could coach me through the battle. He came over one evening, and after meeting my parents and eating some of my mom's cupcakes, we went upstairs and loaded the game. We watched the cutscene. The battle started. I followed the same strategy that I did before, but this time, it actually worked. One by one, I summoned my Aeons and, my, and hit Seymour with their overdrives. And for some reason, Seymour did not wipe my party before I could summon the next one. By the time I'd summoned Yujimbo, Seymour was history, and all of my party members were still alive. I couldn't believe it had been so easy. My friend turned to me and said, Did you just use this battle as an excuse to get me over here? I was mortified. I promised him that wasn't the case, and that the battle had really been frustrating me this whole time. He said he believed me, but I suspected he secretly didn't, and I felt really embarrassed. Anyway, now it's 11 years later, and we're happily married, and reliving this game with the HD remaster. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. We love your show. I think that she doth protest too much. They're married now. This is the greatest tale of uh, the story of glory ever right she she couched it as a tale of fail that she uh was mortified i say it led to happy nuptials i think that's that's
1: that's beautiful and she definitely was did it on purpose though
0: oh yeah classic (laughs) final fantasy move (laughs)
2: you you read about it all the time
0: (laughs) oh yeah
1: also smooth move on that dude for being like I mean, he, just like the Nintendo discussion, we all had a friend who had Nintendo. We also all had a friend who could beat Zelda in one life and could get yeah. through final... Oh, that's easy. You just got to load... I'll come over and do it for you. <laughs> Let daddy get to work. You know, he's probably like leaning over her like the way you teach a girl, quote unquote, to play pool, you know? Yeah. He's like, babe, put your hands on the controller like this.
0: <laughs> I love how he came over and then he like got free dinner and met the parents out of it too and had some cupcakes. like. Usually, if you, you come over to play a game, you you're you're there for like 20 minutes. You see the thing, and the person's like, "All right, I got I got the rest. I got it. I got it. You can go now." <laughs> no, no, you got like the full uh, royal treatment. That's pretty good. She was definitely marriage material. I'll just say that for sure. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, uh, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Get the day, get the right now. Right now. Guys, I uh, I had one of the greatest days of tabletop gaming of my life this week. It it was incredible. So, frequent listeners of this show know uh, I've talked at length about Risk Legacy, which is a version of Risk that came out a couple of years ago, a few years ago, um, and... Changed up the formula to create a sense of persistence. So it's really a game that's meant to be played with the same group of people over multiple sessions. So you have uh, you you play a full game of Risk, and then based on certain conditions, you're able to directly change the game. You write with ink pen on the board in certain for certain things. You tear up cards. You open mystery packages that one
1: add. Are one of the instructions then? Go buy another copy of the game. You just ruined this one.
0: <laughs> well, it was very controversial when it when it was released because of that. I mean, people like me who are very into board games and yeah. want to keep their games pristine. You know, <clears throat> one of the biggest things – excuse me. I don't know why that monster keeps coming out of my throat. Uh, one of the biggest things <clears throat> that you can buy on uh, for your board games is like protective sleeves for your cards and stuff. People are really into that stuff, like making sure stuff doesn't get bent or – torn and to actually have the game instruct you to rip things up and destroy parts of the board and stick stickers on things that are permanent and draw with ink on other stuff it was it was very controversial um well now one of my favorite co-op games ever pandemic which is a game we've talked about on the show as well there's a new pandemic legacy from the same designer rob davio uh, teamed up with Matt Leacock, the original designer of Pandemic, and brought this legacy concept to Pandemic. Now, Risk, I'm sure everybody knows, Risk is a very cutthroat adversarial game where you are, uh, you know, you're trying to take over the world and you have armies and you're fighting each other and it is just dog-eat-dog. Dog. You are screwing over the other members that are playing with you. And the legacy version is you know amps up that stakes even more because if you win, you get to change the game you get to add new rules you get to make decisions you get to name stuff you get to name continents and cities and draw with ink and you know write you can you know taunt your enemies but with pandemic everybody's working for the same goal which is save the world you're all on the same team it's a cooperative game so the legacy concept here i was very excited about because it removed all of that sort of uh ugliness, I guess you could say. All of that the backbiting and, and it made us all joint want to want to affect the game in positive ways and and work together, which made for a very fun day. So Pandemic Legacy just came out. My friends and I got together and played it was three of us. We got together and played Seven games in a row. We started at 10 a.m. And we ended at about 10 p.m. So we had 12 hours playing the same board game all in one day. And I have to say. That's like the best way to experience this game. Because the thing that Pandemic Legacy does. That I've never seen a board game do. In this way or as well. At all. In any way. Is it tells a story. This is an incredibly amazing evolution of this idea. It starts as the pandemic that we all know and love, which is you're traveling all around the country, you're trying to stop the spread of disease, you're trying to come up with cures for these diseases, and what it layers on, it starts to layer things on top of that original game very quickly, and the layers are brilliant, and they tell a story, and there are, like, twists, And there are giant revelations and you're opening these boxes that come with the game that add new pieces to the board. You're getting new rules. You're getting new characters. You're getting it it, through the course of playing the game. You're getting a cinematic story that's told to you, but not told to you in the way that any other board game tells a story. Most board games, if they're trying to tell a story, you're going to read text that is narrative. This game has a little of that, but the story isn't told that way. The story is told based on what new things come into the world and new uh, changes happening around the globe and the the stuff that you are affecting, the the legacy of that. It is incredible. I want to tell you guys so much more, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I will say this. The game evolves into something completely different, which is, as it's happening, we were all, like, exclaiming out loud. We couldn't believe it. And I truly would recommend, if, if, if you have never played Pandemic, I don't think this is the first Pandemic to buy. I think you should really play the original co-op Pandemic game. Um, you can play this game as that if you don't start with any of the legacy stuff. So they actually suggest, if you've never played Pandemic before, the, the game rules suggest you should play at least two games before you introduce any of the legacy concept. But, um, but if you have played Pandemic before, I can't recommend this higher, especially if you like that game. But I totally recommend trying to at least power through the first three or four games all in one sitting. Because no experiencing that narrative progression all at once, and knowing what happened to the last game, and having it fresh in your mind when you start the next game, it, I think added so much to our play experience. Um, it is for one to four players, we played it with three, you could probably play it with two, uh, I wouldn't suggest playing it with one, I'm I'm not sure maybe it doesn't support one, anyway, two to four maybe uh, you can play with two I think it's better with with three or four, I wish we had played it with four three is pretty great uh (laughs) <laughs> it is it, i i can't guys With two it's i mean so three amazing.
1: or four you can do four or three or two or one or liftoff or houston you have a problem or two or one. <laughs> he's just saying just play it, just play it. <laughs> yeah basically play it
2: <laughs> have either of you guys played pandemic uh yeah i have one time that's it though and i'm, I'm not a big board game person but yeah. i liked it as far as that went it seemed about the level of complexity i could handle
0: Yeah, it's a pretty it's a great um, it's a great game for people that aren't aren't really into designer board games. You know, it it very much easy to introduce. Uh, The rules make sense. There's not a lot of them. I will say this. Part of the reason that I only recommend this to people that already know how to play Pandemic is one of the things that happens is the game introduces new rules very rapidly. And it it, as the games progress and is a lot to keep in your mind. I know we screwed up uh, at least one of the games, the rules a little bit um so it's one of those things where if if you don't have experience with the actual base game and understanding how that works it's a lot to swallow all at once with when the game really starts iterating and changing and evolving um and there are quite a, a number of things that that happen very quickly i mean there's there's i will say this this isn't a spoiler there is a moment that happens in the middle of a game. They tell you to put, They even comes with this reminder token. And he tells you to put the reminder token on the board in a specific place. So halfway through one of the, the, one of the first games, you have to do something that completely changes the game. So you're literally in the middle of a game and everything that you've been doing up to that point is altered. Which right there, that moment is, I think, unmatched as far as a board game experience it is like everything that i have experienced playing board games up to this mo- moment didn't prepare me for this like this is a new thing a new thing that happens and it's so so cool uh, and where the game goes and i i mean we can't wait to get back and play through um the rest of the uh it's it's separated into months right so you start the first games in january the last games in december uh for the for the uh, on the board, and each game you play moves forward one month and if you f- if you fail, if you don't save the world, uh, you have to replay that month and we went six games without losing and then lost two in a row. So the last two games we we played, we lost both of them, so we had to replay uh, June, but now we're on july, so even though we lost again, we still progressed to july uh, and we can I can't wait to play the second half of the game. Um, people that listen to this show know that uh, Rob davio the the uh, designer, is a friend of the show, has been on um, more than once uh, with us talking about these games. Uh, I am I would love to talk to him again now that I've experienced this. But um, I was tweeting back and forth with him as we were playing and he was very much talking about the game in terms of act structure. Like he said, when we finished game four, he was like, that is the end of act one. And uh, it very much feels that way and it's it's incredible. It's in. Incredible, you guys uh, i can't recommend it <laughs> higher
1: <laughs> I, I feel like right now someone listening to you talk about this game is yelling at you about the same way when they get to play halo 5 about that whatever that thing you're like this is supposed to have weight the way you're like this changed the game someone's like yeah jeff that's what happened in halo you just didn't know the story it changed <laughs> the game where it oh, seems huh. like this game is amazing if you're one, know and invested in the old game in terms of its rule structure. And then two, if you're able to really hunker down and play it, where I feel like I think that's one of the biggest hurdles. I know we have an, an email, I don't know if we'll get to it today, but, you know, like get, how to teach people rules of new games and stuff like that. And I think sometimes the biggest hurdle for these designer board games is you need to pay attention and even not for Pandemic Legacy, right, just for Pandemic, where so many of the American or Table Trash or whatever you know slurs <laughs> thrown at these other traditional board games that kids grew up playing—they're kind of like uh, checking Twitter, where you can kind of you ch- oh, my turn. Oh, landed on uh, boardwalk. Oopsie doopsie. And then you're talking to your friend and eating dip the rest of the night. And a lot <laughs> of these designer games, you can't—you can't do that.
0: <laughs> well, I've been—I've been told that uh, I was misusing the term "ameritrash," which is supposed—is supposed to be a term of endearment. Uh, on games that are have sort of trashy themes and and are are selling more the theme than they are the mechanics, uh, and that Monopoly technically isn't a merit That a trash game is like a, a like a crazy battle game, but it, the mechanics are just kind of you know just there, and it's all about the theme. So, uh, but yes, I think you're right. The, I think your analogy would be as if the analogy would be if Halo in the middle of a mission. All of a sudden, now you don't shoot guns. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not quite that big, but it's it is it really changes the fundamental mechanics of the game in, in a in a big way. I mean, I may be overstating it, but it, it changes the goal, it changes the the way you play. It's uh, it's pretty significant. So, yeah, sounds um, great. Yeah, it's really really fun. I will talk more, although it's hard to talk about these games because it's a board game that has spoilers like you can spoil the experience of this game. Um some of the people in the in the chat are asking um let me see where it is uh if you can still play it after you've uh after you've played through the entire um uh Jicky Jacks said that, can you continue to play after you complete the game. So minimum number of plays is 12. That's if you win every match or win every round. Um uh, maximum would be 24 you're probably going to play somewhere between 12 and 24 games. I would argue that most people don't play any of the board games they own between 12 and 24 times, so I wouldn't worry about that too much, and the experience itself is extremely rewarding. Risk Legacy was designed so that by the end of it, you have this altered version of Risk that's specific to you and your group, and you can still play Risk as you normally would, but it's now it has the battle scars of, you know, of this campaign that you went through. This is different. Pandemic Legacy has a beginning, middle, and end, and after it's over, reportedly, again, we haven't gotten to the end, but reportedly, when you get to the end, uh, it's done, which is why they're selling it in two versions. They're selling a blue version and a red version. The versions are identical in the box, but they colored the boxes differently, so you can have two, so you know which one's which. Yeah, Interesting. Um, The other thing that's interesting is it's called Pandemic Legacy Season 1.
1: Oh, <laughs> I have no
0: idea what that means. I have no idea what that means. So, but it does—you know—it does feel more like when we played it seven times in one day. It did feel more like binge watching a television show than anything else. It—it it, it felt like we were going through, watching a season of a TV show. It was amazing. It's very cool. Um, thank you for indulging me that because, guys, it, it truly amazing day. Twelve hours of gaming. Stop that's it, crazy stop, stop <laughs> it for only a couple of food breaks yeah it was a
1: little nuts oh, real quick what were what was the what was the food du jour
0: well it was whatever was nearby we had <laughs> uh we had uh, a wrap we had wraps okay. for lunch okay and then uh i had breakfast for dinner because why not
1: great yeah, perfect
0: have gotta have breakfast for dinner um yeah it was a blast Okay, uh, let's move on. We have uh, a parting gift to leave you with this week, as usual. But uh, let's wrap up this episode. Aaron Morales, thank you so much for spending time with us again. Uh, always awesome to hang out with you and, and uh, hear your gaming stories. Uh, where can people keep up with you during the week?
2: Uh, you can check out uh, me on Twitter. I'm at uh, AirlineM. Uh, you can also check out my games writing at uh, EW.com slash gaming. We have a little page A little hub on our website for that. And also, I'm going to try to do some more Twitch streaming of uh, Halo 5 this week. And uh, that's also at uh, Airline M.
0: Yeah, awesome. That was the first time I had ever Twitch streamed on Xbox One. And I found it to be actually kind of better than the PS4 experience.
2: Yeah, I haven't done much either. And it worked pretty well, except for that every time someone joined,
0: they would be like, how are you playing this
2: now? Where'd you get yeah, this? I know I
0: got the. Well, what happened to me was I started off with a, a, a nice group of people that know me because I, you know, tweeted it out and then somebody else like posted a link, some guy, some Twitch guy like posted a link like, hey, this dude's playing Halo five right now. And then I got this swarm of people who had no idea who I was. And then it was just like insults, insults and <laughs> yelling and stupid. And yeah. did you know that you're terrible at that game? Oh, I do. I do yeah. know that. I do know that. Now, now I know it better, but I knew it even yeah. going in. Yeah. But It was cool. Um, our friend David Ellis, who is a uh, designer on the game and works at 343, was hanging out in the chat as well. And he was giving me tips. And I oh, played great. a level that he designed. And he was like, if you go around back here, you find that. And maybe you should try this. And it was great. But I, I felt especially bad at Halo <laughs> when I was watching a <laughs> designer. designer was watching me play.
1: That's funny. Um,
0: Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week?
1: Well, I am at Spicer on Twitter, S-P-I-C-E-R. I also have been uh, diving into the Twitch world casually but regularly Thursdays at one thirty Pacific. I, I jump on. It is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. I think I'm going to start adding Monday, so when we're doing this live, also at 1.30, I'm going to play more Rise Against the Empire playset for Disney Infinity 3.0. Get my Star Wars hype going Um, and then I will be at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory November 19th through 22nd doing a whole bunch of shows I'm out there with Dean Del Rey we also do a podcast together on all things comedy uh, Tuesdays at 2.30 called Bitchin it goes out on his RSS feed let there be talk but that's the Scottsdale Laugh Factory 19th through 22nd is the time for people not in LA uh, if you're out that way to come see a show what about you Jeff what's going on
0: Well, I got my usual slash film cast uh, ramblings about movies, and uh, I'm sure the guys will be talking about the new trailer tonight. Um, We're we're recording an episode on uh, Steve Jobs, which will be fireworks, because I already know that Dave hates it and I love it. So, uh, (laughs) I saw his tweets. You guys had some good tweets back and forth. Yeah, Uh, it'll be an interesting one. And then We Have Concerns is uh, the comedy show I do with Anthony Carboni. We will have new episodes all week, as usual. Uh, three episodes a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They're 20 minutes or less, uh, usually. So uh, easy for you to check out. Uh, it's at wehaveconcerns.com. Um, all right, dudes. Let's uh, let's get to a, a little parting gift for the people.
1: Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift.
0: Aaron, you have a suggestion to get people through their week? I do. So, Jeff, have you
2: ever heard of Geeks and Sneaks?
0: As a matter of fact, I have.
2: <laughs> it's a movement so I, that's sweeping the nation. It is. They are running, a, running the world soon. They will be running the world. Um, so I used to be a pretty avid runner about seven years ago, and then I really, really messed up my back. Um, you know, had some slip discs, got to the point where I uh, had to go to physical therapy and stuff.
1: Thanks for the 49ers <laughs> tickets, Jeff.
0: You know, you know, that's a second reference to that, and you know that was in a pre-show, and no one knows what you're
1: talking about. I know, and I can't <laughs> help it. It's too funny. <laughs> anyway,
2: so I'm in a wheelchair now. No, um, so I uh, have been trying to get back into running, and one of my favorite things to do is listening to this very podcast. So Thanks. I just want to say that it is a really good way to... Uh, I'm doing one of the Couch to 5K things because I haven't run a 5K in five years. So... Um, it's tough, and it's getting cold. I don't know why I picked now to start, um, <laughs> but I uh, that's you know, awesome.
0: I'm yeah. If, I, if, I saw if, it if, on your t- on your Twitter feed.
2: Yeah, you were, you're in week four, right? Yeah, I just finished week four.
0: That's awesome. How, how are you so finding? far?
2: So far, my back is holding up. That's the, I'm, I'm trying to be very conscious of it, just because I don't want to have to you know start yeah. hobbling again. <laughs> and you know, I, I was thinking like, oh man, the last time I ran that. was – I was like ten years younger. <laughs> like a lot's changed since then. So uh, no, it's it's good though, and it's a good feeling. And I think if uh, it, it starts out pretty easy, if you know, uh, so if anyone feels like they can't do it, you can. It just it just hurts a lot.
0: I you know I I think that's so awesome, and I I applaud you. I, I was I wasn't gonna read this email, but I got this email this week too from Jack. This said, um, I listen to DLC every week. And I remember your YouTube post back in the TRS days about running the LA Marathon, and was inspired to do the same. After a year and a half of training, I just finished my first San Francisco Marathon. Just want to let you know uh, that uh, you have inspired people like myself to accomplish things that I never imagined I would. I think that's awesome, and uh, I'm I'm so happy that this Geeks and Snakes thing is is inspiring people to do stuff like that. And and the the thing that i have experienced in my life is is when you do something that you didn't think you could do it's the best feeling in the world and um, i i don't think that a geeky lifestyle and being uh sedentary and and out of shape have to go hand in hand you really can it just takes a little bit every day that's all so awesome yeah Uh,
1: I'll, i'll echo that i started i was really good in college had knee problems slowly getting back into it um and I have four mile loop outside my house that I do three times a week, and from the first time I ran it to now, I've clipped off. Granted, I went really slow the first time just to feel the aches and pains. Clipped off six minutes, and I'm uh, doing easy runs sub seven minute again. So I'm, uh, nice. I'm back, baby. I listen to the Beast Cast while I run because I I do this show. So <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: you know, it doesn't have to be running either. You know, we, we talk. I talk about running mostly because I like it, but also it's the easiest thing. Like it, it requires the fewest number of stuff i find you know you just just some shoes and a and an outdoors um but you know they, it could be anything and i i really hope uh people take up the take up the challenge um did you have a parting gift other than that christian or oh
1: yeah uh, i mean i've talked about all the great stuff i love from them but um i love mondo mondo tees mondo mm-hmm. posters mondo is into the, the vinyl game now they did a, a last of us uh vinyl they're doing a back to the future vinyl collection that goes live it's annoying how you have to buy the stuff because it's all limited and they send out a tweet it's like live now and then you go and buy it um but their stuff is beautiful i have a batman animated series poster coming my way that i picked up from them and then i think i tweeted out or instagrammed out the picture for um batman 66 they're doing they have a whole series all different artists but this one was a Batgirl, which is just beautiful i love it so much and coming up i think the 21st they're doing the vinyl back to the future trilogy soundtrack on vinyl with just beautiful art and if you like this show, I'm sure you will like something that Mondo has done. So just check it out if maybe you don't know about them. They do really, really quality stuff. Awesome. Uh,
0: I wanted to hit everybody to a TED Talk that uh, my wife actually recommended to me, and it just completely affected me. Uh, it changed my day when I listened to it, and I hope it changes yours. I hope you give it a shot and listen to it. It's free. Uh, it's uh, you can. I think it's the most recent. TED Talk that is on their uh, their podcast stream. If you if you look at the TED Talk Society and Culture um, iTunes stream, it's the it's the one from Martin Pistorius, and it's called "How My M- How My Mind Came Back to Life." Um, it is extraordinary. This this uh, fella had um, a debilitating disease and was um, basically considered to be a vegetable uh, But the, what he describes Is the fact that his mind was still Active and he could hear And perceive everything around him But everybody Didn't know that they uh, He was kept alive And he was unable to move or speak in any way And uh, I won't tell you Any of the details of what happened Because I think he says it so much more eloquently than I But basically technology gave him a way to communicate And it is moving and powerful and inspiring, and it only takes about 12 minutes to listen to the whole thing. I think it's the best 12 minutes you'll spend all day, and it will probably make you appreciate your life. It will probably make you complain a lot less that day. It certainly did to me, and it will probably make you um, you know, just feel better. So I highly recommend it. It's the Martin Pistorius TED Talk. Check it out. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thank you to Aaron Morales and Christian Spicer. Thank you to Maggie and Dan and Hattie and all the folks at 5 by 5 for making this possible. Thanks to our chat room. You guys have been great this week. We really appreciate all the stuff. If you have a chance to listen to our show live, hang out in the chat room because uh, these guys have been having great conversations. People were talking about which games they were going to buy this holiday season and which ones they were going to pass up all kinds of stuff that we didn't have room to reference directly in the show, but great discussions with great people happening in our chat room, uh, every Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, and thank you for downloading the show and listening. If, if you want to give us a, a, nice review on iTunes, we certainly appreciate that. It helps spread the word of the show or just tell your friends, tell your friend directly that you like listening to DLC. It helps us get the word out and means a lot to us as well. Uh, we'll talk to you again next Monday. The, uh, man, the holiday release schedule is heating up. We've got lots of fun stuff coming up very soon. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.
1: Music, 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 music.